We would actually go about it very different ways because our personalities are very different. You could like well, chef. our backhands are bad in different ways too. Right, but I'm saying like if we were just working on the technical aspect. Didn't mean to say your backhand is bad. By I the way. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. thanks. I, I threw that to the side. <laughs> Welcome to Shankcast episode number 11. 11. Yeah, we're in double digits That's now. That's crazy. Congratulations, right? guys. <laughs> Good job, guys. On our way to triple, di- triple digits. Uh, by the way, Shankcast now is on Apple Podcasts. It's on Google Play Music. It's on Stitcher. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. We're a little bit, a little bit behind on the YouTube channel, but we'll, we'll get caught up and we'll get into a rhythm there uh, some, sometime soon. But thank you all so much for helping us kick this off. We're enjoying it a lot. And today we're going to be talking about a topic that was brought to us by one of our digital students. We're going to be talking about the kind of the, the contrast or the, the stretch between winning matches versus working on technique. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and read the, the question here as it was presented to us. Uh, we need to come up with a name for this person because we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we don't have their permission to. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna give you their credit card number and address and all that stuff and, <laughs> and name. <laughs> so we'll, we'll call this person Susan. Oh, I was going with Sue, so we're oh, on the wow. same page. Nice. All, right. all right. So Susan wrote to us and said, as a relative beginner to tennis and not having a sports background, what would you suggest prioritizing in order to improve the fastest? Currently. So many layers to this question. Mm -hmm. Currently, while my serve technique is technically wrong, I'm constantly told that it's the most powerful part of my game. I've been focusing on my forehand for months with what feels like very slow and little improvement during match play. So, Kevin, Megan, myself, we've been on the court coaching, you know, teaching our entire professional lives and, and now digitally for a while. And we've all worked with students remotely, receiving video from them, giving them feedback, giving them a process to follow. I just thought that we had a good conversation about this the other day. I thought it was good Shankcast material. Yeah, I agree. So for everybody watching or listening that wants to win matches and improve their game, well, let's, we'll kind of get into the specifics, but what's your advice to this student? We get Let's this question like all the time yeah. too. This isn't, I think it's a, a very common, and even people who don't ask it, I think feel it like, you know, the understanding that balance is such a hard thing for any tennis player as well as like myself. And I feel like probably I'm speaking for you guys, but you guys too, like you have to, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I'll, no, oh, I, yeah. yeah, you know no, what I'm go, saying? Go like, ahead. Yeah. No, I'm um, laughing because, yeah, it's 100% true. Yeah. We all have things that we love to improve about our own games. And we're on a tennis court all the time, but, you know, not like the old days, but uh, a couple times a week on average. And so it would be easy for somebody on the outside to assume, just like the old days when people were like, oh, you're a tennis coach? Like you're on court, you know, eight hours a day? You should have perfect everything. Yeah, you must be you must be hitting the ball real well right. right now, or like your game must be super super solid. And it was the opposite for us, and now probably even more because when we're on the court, we're not even hitting a ball most of the time. <laughs> even though we said we need to go back to once a week hitting oh. balls. <laughs> what do you mean go back? When when were we ever doing that? <laughs> we did for like a month. Um, no, yeah, I think. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I think the uh, like the direct answer is that it's a different balance for everyone, and it all depends upon your goal, um, like immediate goal, as well as your long-term goal, which makes this a very And you're loaded. the goals girl, so. The yes. goals girl. I yes. like it. Um, I, it's just a, it's a hard, hard balance, I think, for everyone. I think you have to kind of go back and forth between, okay, I'm going to work on technique and try to make this better and give a little leniency when you're playing matches. And then, okay, now I'm going to focus in on strategy and match play and not work on technique. And then you give a little leniency in your technique wise. And I think if you want both to be perfect, you're searching for something that's just not Tennis nirvana. Out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, except for on those special days where 
you just feel those are the greatest days ever where everything you hit is going to go in and you just can't make an error like those are it's been a long time since i've had a special day i can count on (laughs) probably one hand (laughs) but i think um when you were explaining like our side of things as a tennis coach i think that's a perfect example of this and what happens for the average tennis player like our goal is to make content for you guys and so since our goal is to not be great tennis players anymore as of right now you never know what the future holds um that our game suffers and so when we play points i definitely don't play at the highest level that I think I should be playing at or things don't go where I really believe that they should have gone. Um, But if I look at the big picture, I realize, well, that hasn't been my goal for the last month. My goal has been to create content for our listeners. And if that's my goal, I can't improve my game at that same time. And so I feel like it's the same thing. And I feel like if you're going out to a match and trying to improve technique, you're focusing on the wrong thing in match play. You can't focus on yourself. If your goal is winning the match. If your goal, yes, that's true. If yeah. your goal is to win the match. If it's not to win the match, then don't play them. I'm like, why? <laughs> I understand why you're playing the match. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, to practice my forehand. Right, yeah. Then just practice with somebody hitting partner-wise <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, so I feel like it's all based on immediate goals and long-term goals. And I feel like it's a back and forth balance kind of teeter tottering between the two to be able to really keep that improvement level going up while still maintaining like league play and being able to have some social fun on the court with your doubles teams or whatever. But that's probably personality wise too. Yeah, I think it's um, personality definitely plays a big part, but I do agree with Megan. Um, the thing that comes to mind when I hear is like the paradox of choice in the sense that, you know, based on your goals, whenever we choose one thing, we can't choose the other thing. And so if you're choosing to improve at some sense of like, if you had a scale of a hundred and you 90% want to choose to improve, you only get 10% to work on um, playing, but you can't have both at the same time. So I think that's the tough part where, you know, I have um, made a switch in my game or in the past I made a switch and I'm always tinkering around. But, you know, realizing that if I'm tinkering around with something and then I go out to a match and play it, play with it, it's it's just it's not going to be there. Like I accept that. And so with my personality, I can do that in some sense because I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't care if I really win this match, if it's one of those type of matches that I'll, I'll go through that. But yeah, you have to kind of make a choice and realize the consequences of that choice, whatever they may be, uh, if you feel comfortable with maybe losing matches or if you don't. Yeah, I think a critical kind of principle that we come back to all the time as, as coaches is that you can only, in any given moment, you can only be consciously focused on one thing at a time. We humans can't actually multitask. We can be really good at like switching and, and efficient at like bouncing from focus one to two to three to four. But if that's how you spend your time on the court, then none of one through four are actually going to get much better because your attention is just spread and, and constantly shifting from element to element. So when you lay out like the different options, it's like, okay, I can, I can optimize in this moment to try to use what I have to win this match against this opponent. Like that could be one focus. I could be working on improving my shot selections and my patterns and the plays that I use on the court to be more effective. That's a completely different focus point. It might seem like there's like overlap, like I'm playing a match, so I could, should be able to work on my patterns. But we're talking about doing something different than what you normally do, which takes all of your attention to do that new thing the way that you're trying to do it. So totally different focus. And then we're talking about like improving a serve. That would be another individual separate focus. And then we have, you know, Kevin, Megan, myself, if we're thinking about content and like, do I want to optimize for the quality of this content or for winning or for my crappy backhand or for like, there's, there's just like on the surface, like a, a bunch of different things that we could potentially be focusing on. And if you don't 
choose one. So for Susan here, if you don't choose between trying to win that match and trying to fix your serve or trying to improve your forehand, then it's almost like you've made a choice without making one that you're not really going to be very narrowly focused on anything. And I think that's kind of describes a lot of tennis players. <laughs> it's like they're out there playing and they assume that, Oh, as long as I play three times a week, then my improvement, you know, chart is going to be up and to the right. And unfortunately we all have limitations like talent wise and skill wise. And at a certain point you're going to plateau without some kind of very purposeful way that you go about using your time on the court. So yeah, I like the word paradox. It's like you, you have, you have to make a choice at the end of the day, unless you have unlimited talent and like, but Susan (laughs) says that she doesn't have a sports background. So, um, unless there's some like dormant, like genetic, magic in there <laughs> that's just like Genetic magic. <laughs> waiting to like come out like and it just happens to be the right skill set for tennis there's going there's going to be a point where it's like everything levels out and without the right effort on the right things then there's just not going to be automatic uh improvement the thing is too is that it it can it might level out at four or five for people it might level out yeah. at three oh like you don't and four or five the, is not likely just to be right i'm just front. saying though but i'm saying like the and what it takes to get from 2-5 to 3-0 is different than 3-0 to 3-5, different from 3-5 yeah. to 4 And so I feel like... It's not um, linear. <laughs> right. And so what happens is, is that people start at 2-5 and they're kind of like, I just need to hit a lot of balls. Well, if you go from not hitting any balls to hitting four yeah. times a week, you're going to get better. Like even if your technique is horrible and your strategy is horrible, your timing actually is going to get better. So you're going to actually be able to make more balls. Um, And so you can get up to that 3-0 level. And then once you get there, it's like, okay, now you probably got to try to work on something. And so a lot of people start to work on strategy because it's a little easier to understand like, okay, go cross court or something like that, rather than actually changing a technique mentally, I think for a lot of tennis players. Um, because changing techniques sometimes means you have to go backwards before you go forwards. And that's really hard for a lot of people. And it's repetitive and right. boring, I think, for a lot of players. Right. And so then I think, but I think that it, that part will only get you, like then you kind of plateau and you get to our like, okay, you either have to make a decision to change your technique or not. I always think it's kind of like the, like the ACTs or SATs where you have to pick the most right answer for that time. It, like, it doesn't mean it's the right answer. It just means like it's the most right, you know, because there's so many th- and it just depends upon the person. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit. Shocker. <laughs> ah, imagine that. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with the general sense of what we're saying. I think there's so many layers like Ian's talking about, about when we say improvement and where that level caps out, because just because you have technical efficiency doesn't mean you have tactical efficiency doesn't mean you have emotional uh clarity to no, not freak out. out yeah yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so i mean one. so there's so many that's other layers <laughs> and that's where you get even at and and yeah it does start to break down as you get higher and higher levels because these higher and higher levels don't allow for you to ha- uh let those inconsistencies thrive you know, at, at a five zero, you know, four five five zero five five level, if someone's emotionally unstable, I will find a way to like pick at that. And it doesn't matter how good their technique was. It doesn't matter how good of an athlete. If they can't emotionally keep it together, and I can figure out a way, you're done. Um, That's same how thing. The drop shot gets. Me yeah. Every same thing time. with like technique. <laughs> if they have mediocre technique, and so you have these these different kind of I think valves or levels that make up a combination of players. Like, you know, even we can look at, let's say Andy Roddick didn't have the most proficient backhand, but got to be number one in the world because he realized his strengths and he had a good combination of it. Yeah. That's still, I mean, his backhand wasn't bad, but at his level at like at, that was the thing everybody picked on. It was like, we're going to go pick on Andy Roddick's backhand. And so I also want to give the, the impression or the, the idea that, yeah, you can still have fun and there's different ways to improve, but if you can optimize your technique, it does give you more ability or a greater range and ability to do more things. Cause I've seen people out there with really janky strokes at like four five, five, a level, but with that jankiness, they were great athletes. They were 
They made up for it in other they may, Yeah, they other had ways. all these other things where like they just were really crafty. And it was like, oh my God, we, we know one of those people. Mm-hmm. And their mental toughness is like yeah, off the charts. It's right? almost like their weakness of having poor technique, they made up for it in other ways. And so it's it's finding i think also that balance of what you're looking for with the goal set you know if you're you're optimizing for playing the best tennis yeah improving your technique will help but you also have to look at um, all those other things because it, it's it's the combination the blend of those things that make a great player you know what we look at roger federer is like and uh, the culmination of a lot of things coming together um more but than if, a lot yeah <laughs> no i mean but yeah but you look at the technical the emotional gifted physically, uh, um, um, having the right coaches. I mean, there's so many things that had to come together to, to make that recipe of Roger Federer. Um, obviously, in our, well, we would all like to be like Roger Federer. But for if you're the 3-0, 3-5, you know, whatever, until um, you get to probably, I would say, like 4 5, five oh, then certain things might start popping up. I've seen people that maybe only slice at 4-5, but they're so good at it and they understand the court really well they're pretty successful and they know how to uh, um, manage other styles. Yeah, there's going to be weaknesses when, you know, you play a guy who maybe or a girl hits with heavy topspin and they're able to like identify how they can overcome that pattern. But I think it's a, it's, it's not clear cut and dry that just to say you have to stop everything to do technique to get better. Cause there are other ways. And I think it, it, you just you have to know the mix of what's going to work best for you. Technique will provide you with more opportunities than not having technique, but it's not the end all be all. Yeah, I think some people look at it as like, well, my technique's really good, so I should be really good. Right, and and that's, that's what people are talking about when they say I lost to a, a, <laughs> yeah, a worse yeah, player. Exactly, <laughs> they're only taking into account that one variable. Right, exactly, and. I mean, there's been many times where I have seen many players lose to some janky Lori Lukens. We were oh, wow. just discussing that. Um, janky. Kevin thought you were calling out. <laughs> no, no, no. no, we were just talking about Lori? how the term, the term janky can get, uh, is like a, should be like a tennis term. Lori's going to get kicked out of it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> talking about janky. I'm picturing Lori uh, in her car like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Megan. Uh, no, we were talking about janky. Okay. Um, anyways, and how other, other people? Yes. How? Uh, but how? Yeah, you can have someone who has like it just the worst technique ever, and that m- either mentally breaks you down, physically breaks you down. I mean, like there are yeah. so many elements to being a great tennis player, and no one, I don't think maybe Roger Federer is really good at all, all elements out there. Um, and the people who are really good at all elements out there are top 10 in the world. Like it's just kind well, of, there's different de- it, degrees of good. Right. Yeah. But I mean like proficient almost is what I'm saying. Like they're, they excel in every category and they've done a lot of work along the I way. Mean, I would say each. even at the pro level, yeah. there's, yeah. there's huge like, that's true. You look at like the video game, like the different qualities in the charts, and there's like really <laughs> strong like speed and quickness yeah. and terrible mental. I mean, you you look at Curios, yeah. right? Yeah, I feel like it's it's just That's, l- yeah, wow. But at that level, I think you find your. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's the combination. Your, it's yeah. not Plus just it's the personality profici- too. Proficiency, but I think it's it's not just like oh you have this and this and this is but everybody you're proficient. It's the combination. It's like and that's why game styles are so important in and as you get to that level because they're figuring out the best combination to present the most um, problems to the other player. And so Roger Federer has this combination of using inside out forehands to serve and different things. Roger wouldn't go with the Nadal and say, okay, well, you know, let's just go. Well, they can't go back into back and just it'd be Nadal's forehand, but he's going to look for that combination. Just like Nadal's like, I'm not going to serve and volley unless I really know at this point in time, this combination works. He knows how I'm going to stay back. I'm going to be physical. I'm going to hit heavy tops in. I'm going to make you work. I'm going to run down every ball, but everybody doesn't have that combination. So I think, you know, and even like, uh, it was in, really interesting hearing um, Uncle Tony in a uh, talk, mm. TED Talk talking about like Rafa's technique. And he was like, oh, whatever. You want to work on it? Work on it. If you don't want to work on it, I'm not going to work on it. So, uh, you know, he talks about his forehand. Like he had that really weird follow through. He's like, I didn't teach him that. <laughs> and so. He actually said he was just late. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. Like that's it was a combination of him hitting so many forehands late that he adapted yeah. the. Yeah, but he also I think he also uh, asked Nadal was like, "Do you want to work on your forehand?" And he was like, "Nadal's like, um, I kind of like." And so you know, it's a combination, and there's a balance of knowing and figuring out what's going to work best for you. Because I mean, some people love to go out and just play and have fun. And that's improving, but if, you know, I think it's just finding that level of, um, or that combination of what are you looking for? I guess I didn't realize until we started talking how much personality really is, it plays a role. Like, I feel like if Ian and I were both working on our backhands, which I feel like is, is my weakness right play. now, and possibly, <laughs> I'm speaking for you, but maybe your weakness as well right now. Um, you then you have to be nice. <laughs> then, <laughs> like, but we would actually go about it very different ways because our personalities are very different. You could, like, well, shut. our backhands are bad in different ways, too. Right, but I'm saying, like, if we were just working on the technical aspect Didn't mean of to say things, your backhand is bad, by I the way. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. thanks. <laughs> I, I threw that to the side. <laughs> thanks, Ian. Um, it's getting personal. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I feel like personality wise, some people can go out and you could work on, I feel like you could work on technique and like you could video and you could just like shadow swing till the cows come home. And I could just struggle in that aspect. Like I could definitely, you know, video and see what's going on and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to try to fix. And da, da. But my personality is very impatient. And so for me, working on like just technical aspects of one stroke for like three or four months at a time would mentally break me down. Like I know that about myself. And so I would have to have some social aspects like, okay, well, let's play some forehand wars or do something else yeah. that might not hurt my strategy, but still give me that competitive aspect that I love of the game. Does that make sense? Yeah, and totally. so, yeah. And so I feel like different personalities need different things. So if you want the competition, but don't want to necessarily like hurt your success that you're working on technically, you can create that pressure and, and competition without actually playing a match as well. Um, or you could just say like, well, I'm going to run around my backhand and I'm going to hit a lot of forehands. Ian, is that accurate? Would you shadow swing to the cows come home? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had something faster. But, but, uh, yeah. So you good, good uh, analogy for a Wisconsinite. <laughs> till the cows come home so yeah susan at, at this point if you're listening i guess i would I, I would if i was your coach i would ask you two questions what what are your big picture goals not like for next week or next season but 10 years from now like what are your aspirations number one <clears throat> and then number two basically what megan is is describing right now what do you enjoy most about the game <clears throat> how do you like working on your game is it more the competition? Is it the repetition? Is it the mastery? Is it trying to, you know, trying to master the different elements of your game? Is it uh, drilling? Is it analysis? Is it socializing? Is it the exercise? Like what, like if you were to rate all of those and put them in order, like what would that listing look like? And so depending on what your answers are to that question, I would, you know, personally give you completely different advice. If you're a three Oh now and your big picture goal is to be a solid three, five and you really hate drilling and you love like the exercise and the excitement of match play, then I'd say don't change your serve. Like if it's already the best part of your game, like uh, Kevin was describing all the different elements that you could, also be working on uh, outside of technique if you focus on all those other things and make them really really solid you could dominate it at, at three five without messing with your serve more than likely if your goal is to be a four or five in the next 10 years then you know if you know your serve is <laughs> in her words technically wrong then you're gonna have a really hard time in any amount of time you know 20 30 40 years whatever being competitive at four or five with a technically wrong serve, even with all the other things, you know, really kind of maxed out and, and optimized. So I think for me, those two questions are like critical. What do you enjoy? What, what's your big picture goal? Yeah, I think it's, I, I was thinking about a girl that I used to teach and, um, like at the beginning I would always say, okay, what, 
like, what is your goal? Like, what are you trying to do? And there were plenty of times where I, the answer that I would give after hearing what their goal was, was, okay, we're going to make your serve the best it can possibly be with what you have right now. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it was going to be bad. It just means it wasn't going to be great. Not going to blow stuff up. <laughs> right. And if they're like, no, I want, you know, to have technically sound strokes. And I would always say, okay, it might take a few months of going backwards before you start seeing results again. And I think it's finding, if you're with a coach, it's finding a coach that will like outright kind of tell you, um, like, the, here's the deal. And um, and there are plenty of people who just want to be the best with what they have. And that is yeah. not a bad thing. And that and, path is completely different from the other type of player. Right. Exactly. Because then you need to focus in on, like, strategy and making a lot of balls and how to make more balls. Like, there's just a different focus. And so, yeah, I think that um, it definitely, I think the goals thing is so, so big. Yeah, I definitely think the goal thing is really big, as usual. I'll come from a different angle or something. Um, I think the goal thing is really big about where, where you're going to, like like Ian's saying, it's like it, it really changes what you're going to do. I think the other interesting part when I start hearing about the conversation, when we hear, when we say technically right, you know, yeah, it's a true. very big, because it depends. I mean, you can catch a coach who's maybe coached in the, I was going to say 50s, but they'd be like, wow. They maybe coached in the 70s where it's like everything's arm and straight. And for them, that's technically right. And it's, it's just, just a very interesting kind of, um, I guess, mindset or frame when we say the word technically. Because we're using the idea of like the current technique is right. So like what makes it right? Is it right because the ball goes over the net consistently? Is it right because uh, it hits more spin than what it used to hit? when everybody just used to hit straight out, um, which is interesting. I, I definitely prefer the the current style of technique that, you know, I think we all teach and we model off of the pros because just we... Just slap the forehand. Yeah, just slap the forehand um, <laughs> for Megan. You know, when we look at, like, the, 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 the best players now, um, I think that's just an interesting thing, and I think it it's almost has to be defined a little bit because, you know... When we think about technique, I'd love to hear, like, you guys, what, what's your definition of technique? Does it mean I can reproduce? I'd actually love to know the actual definition of technique. Pops, uh, the top of my head immediately, is, like, efficient, like, biomechanically efficient. Like, if you're working against your own body, if there's high levels of, like, tension and, like, and tightness, um, if one part of the body is working in this direction and another part of the body is yeah. working in another direction then in my opinion, that's, that's bad technique. Like style, I feel like style is completely yeah. separate from like, yeah. like from good mechanics. Yeah, that, okay. that, does that make sense? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I think efficiency answer. is a great way to describe it. Like, and, yeah. and I think everyone's limitations are different to create that efficiency sure. in different ways. And that's how style is evolved, like within each player. Yeah, I think that's super interesting because it's like, Again, there's this huge variation on technique, especially you go to some... I feel for, if I'm putting myself in the, the situation of a player going out there going, I want to get better technique, and they're going from club to club, and they, they go from pro to pro, and yeah. it's like, so-and-so said Their you need to... Yeah, totally like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny, because you know, just even with uh, the, um, a lot of our players that are working with coaches in their local clubs, are like, what, they're like confused, because they're like, what do I do? Like, this person's telling me this. This person's telling me this. This person's telling me this. So I think it also speaks to how hard it is to find kind of what we all say is the correct technique for them to work on. And so, you know, for me, I've, I have my own idea, but it's like figure out where, again, with what your goal is with the technique. It's like how, how can you be, I don't know, I'm actually stumping myself here. I don't know. You just asked such, such good questions. Such good questions. But I think for the biggest... The, the, <laughs> the biggest part, I think, is is don't get so caught up in having perfect technique because I am totally that coach. Like, I am a perfectionist when it comes... keep an eye on yeah, you. Yeah, they have to reel me in. Sometimes we'll get in and they're like, Kevin, it doesn't have to be... And I'm like, no. Like, if we could get that, like, 10 more inches... It's so close. Yeah, it's so close. And my brain just, like, goes to that. 
And so I know that about myself that I have to be careful about like, oh, it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. But then you also have the other aspect, which is the coach that jumps around and changes different things about. Yeah. The, and has like no the idea what same. they're even like yeah. seeing or, right. or talking about. Well, and, but, and there are good coaches like we know high level, like junior USTA coaches that just every lesson mm. is a different focus. And it doesn't mean that the focus isn't wrong. It just means what's the biggest focus at that time? Just, you know, they just jump around, jump around, jump around. Every, every week is something different. And that's hard for players too. So I guess to tie it back into the conversation is like, as a player, you have to be aware of not only your goals, but also who's helping you implement those goals. And like, what, if that's going to be your focus to technically get better, are they implementing your lessons in a way that's actually going to help you to get better because I think it's so hard if you don't know and you know every week the coach is having a new lesson like Megan's talking about and you're like oh okay I'm getting better and really you know you look back a year later you're like why am I still the same way Mm -hmm. that's always I think the biggest thing I would ever I told every single person that I ever worked with like if in six months you are not better or we are not closer to the goals that you're telling me right now today, then I am not doing my job. Like we need to get you someone else. Because if you can't look over a six month time frame and you've gotten better at something, whether it means like you've been focused on technique for six months and your technique is better, it doesn't mean that you can use it in a match play perfectly, but if your technique is not better and that's what you've been focused on for six months time frame, like you, there's something going on. There's some wrong. The like scary, you need to take a detour. I think the scary part with something you said, not with you saying it, but just with the, the, the situation of the coaching where you're saying, no, it's just like you're saying get better at something. And I think that's the toughest part for players because they're going to a coach and they're like, okay, let's feed you like a hundred balls today, a thousand balls today. And there's like, oh, okay, you did it right. And, Sometimes we've got videos where I'm like listening. I'm like, oh, wow. And the player is doing or executing whatever the coach is saying, and they're figuring out how to do it in a weird way, but gets the ball to have that same result. And then they're like, oh, and that's just a tough. is that the goal? I know. And that's the tough part. That's the whole crux of it. It's like when we say. He's moving three over to three, five. That's completely. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I moved. And then, yeah, that's the, that's the tough part. I think when you do make the goal and ask the question, okay, I want to get better technique is you know, figuring out a way to, to put yourself in the best situation with the best coach that can to help you do that in a way that's not going to like a lot of those times, that's what we get. We get a player who's three, five or four. And like, I'm really good at this. My coach is, and we're like, Oh God, when we show them the video and they're like, and yeah, we're like, Oh God, I hate to break it to you. And they're like, Oh, and they see the video of the pros and how they're not efficient. And they're like, no. literally, that's the thing that kind of kept them from moving. So it's like level. the forehand, my forehand. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't need any help on the forehand. Like I'm already, I'm yeah. already, but that's I'm why people get stuck at that three, five level. I think is yeah. because getting from two, five to three, Oh, and three, Oh to three, five is a much easier process. And a lot of people can do that by just making just a, lot a lot of balls. Of balls. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, Actually getting up to 4.0 or 4.5 for a lot of people means that you have to have some sort of technical, like, sound efficiency. And And that means changing habits. And that's and that means sometimes going backwards before forwards, which yeah. a lot of people just don't want to do. And so they stay at three five for thirty years, and that's and they that's that's okay with them if they're happy, right? But then you have the people that aren't happy but still yeah. struggle like, the with hell? the idea. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's again goes to goals and stuff, but I think it um, it's realizing <clears throat> that you can go out there and just make a lot of balls, and you can get better. But will you continue to get better? And and I also think the other thing is, is like you can work on technique and you can work on everything. I have limitations. I'm not going to go play pro. Like everyone has limitations. Everyone's going to kind of plateau at some point. Um, it's just what point do you want it to be? Do you want it to be 3-5 or do you want it to be higher than that? I think is the kicker. Something important that you're kind of – basically describing but i just want to be clear and kind of articulating it is that just like we've, we've been talking about players and how there's like whatever we've probably named seven or eight different 
criteria that are necessary to be like the best player possible. And we've talked about how different players have different proficiencies and each of those different classifications of like tennis skill. And I just want to be clear to our audience that the same thing is true of coaches. I mean, we could probably mm-hmm. break down a list of like 15 or 20 different qualities that are important in a coach and every coach is going to have different like pros and cons and skills and things that they're re- just like fits because of their, per- we were talking about personality too. Like because of their personality, like they love like the anal- analytical side, um, but they just don't really ever talk about strategy because it's just never really been their jam or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And I think it's critical. You were talking about this, Kevin, to find the, define your goals, number one, and then, go to the trouble of finding a coach that actually exemplifies the abilities to explain and uh, guide a player through whatever path it is that you need to achieve those goals. And not every coach will be able to do that very well. Different coaches have different Yeah, different we all strengths. have downfalls. And some coaches sure. can do it even though it's not really what's going on. What do you mean? What do you mean? Meaning that some coaches I've seen where they're like, uh, yeah, that was great. And the reason that worked is because, yeah, and, and, and it's close enough, but you're like, yeah, and you're like, oh. Cause effect. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I didn't even try that to say it. But yeah. I won't ever make it this way back to anybody. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, I, don't, I totally agree with you. Uh, I just think there's, you know, looking from this angle, talking about this deeper, it is a, a pretty tall task mm-hmm. on, on the side of a, a player to want to change something, create the environment and the, have the personality to do it, and then find someone to implement yeah. it. Um, it's easy for players, I think, to just assume that because they have USPTA like, next to yeah, their name, yeah. it's like, oh, well, oh yeah. they're, co- they're certified. Like, they've been coaching for however, 20 years or 30 years. Like, no matter what my goal is, they must be able to... Yeah. Or they were an amazing player, so they yeah, must be able to... Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, that's another yeah. thing that people say a lot. Yeah. You know? Totally, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, that's a hard... I, it's a hard thing for someone to kind of put their own, like, self aside and, and want to improve without isolating themselves from others as well. I feel like in the world of tennis, like you kind of have to be okay. Like I feel like you two are are totally fine with like the, I'll just be by myself forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin would sit in a room for 20 hours a day Um, if if he could. Um, But I definitely am not. And so like I, when I'm, in the improvement process, I know that if I were to just like isolate me and the ball machine for months on end, I would hate tennis. Like I would hate my life. I would hate You're smiling. <laughs> I would hate the world. Like I just could not, that's not me. Yeah. And so I think that, uh, kind of figuring out that balance that works for you right and back. understanding. I've been drinking juice and tea all morning cause I'm trying not, <laughs> not to get sick. <laughs> Um, understanding that balance is, is super difficult. Um, and so I feel like sometimes people that try to work on technique isolate themselves Mm. and it becomes a lot more difficult. Um, and so they feel like, well, I just, I, I can't work on technique because I want to be social. And I feel like you can do both. It just has to be a balance of the two. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think um, I think comes back to what you said earlier. Personality is key uh, because I yeah, I could totally geek out and and I've done it before. Like uh, uh, geek out and like oh, I'm gonna fix this and I'll set up video and I I love that part of and that's just the way my brain like is like totally analytical in that sense. Um, and you have to know your personality because if you're not that way, like like you're saying you have to inject some sort of social aspect. But it also, I think, means that you have to maybe also um, slow down or kind of give way to not improving as fast if, that's, if you want to improve too. Because it's like you're, they're, they're not, they're two different goals. It's like to improve. I don't think that's true. Sorry. Well, here's the thing why I think they're two different goals. To improve, if we're talking about, and I think this is the tricky part, if we're talking about technical improvement, 
If we're just talking about technical improvement, that's your goal. And you're talking about doing technical improvement and playing at the same time. They're two different things because in the sense of technical improvement, it means that we're trying to do something. We're trying to do our technique as efficiently as possible. And that's the goal. When we're thinking about playing a match or a social match, we're thinking about I'm competing and so I need the ball to go in a certain direction. I need, and that's where the conflict of like, okay. okay. stop talking about Ian, he's back. Oh yeah. My teeth were floating. <laughs> back teeth were floating. Back teeth were floating. Have you heard that one before? But I think there, um, we're talking about how if you're trying to technically, technically improve and if you're also wanting to go out and be social, you have to give up on some of the technical improvement going as fast because they're two different goals in the sense that technical improvement is you're trying to, like we were talking about, be really efficient with the swings and the movements of your body to hit the ball. Uh, competition or social is like, I need the ball to go in certain location right now. <laughs> right now. And so there's a conflict. If you haven't mastered that, you start fudging things like I need the ball to do this. I need, and you've moved away from, I don't care what the ball's doing per, for a sense because I need my body to be efficient. And once you can get your body efficient, then that goal is taken care of. You can go into, I need the ball to go here. I know how to be efficient hitting the ball there. And I think that's where people want to do the same thing at the same time, but their goals get mixed up because socially it's like, okay, if I miss this, Betty's going to be really mad at me because I double faulted for the fourth time in a row. Yep. And so it's like, I need to just dink it in. And so the technical efficiency starts to lower doesn't mean or you can do and your suggestion a lot of times it's like hold up your suggestion is like outside the box a little bit no but it's like your suggestion is uh you can serve the right way in your first serve which means that you're gonna oh okay well the one you always recommend to people is like serve like the technical part work on your first serve but on the second serve get it in so by for me the definition is like you're only working on your tech technical part technical part of it probably 50 percent of the time not all the time. So it means the reps are going to be lower, which means you're going to have to, a slower path. Not that you don't improve, but the path is going to be slower compared to, hey, I'm just going to go out and work on it all the time. So it increases faster. And then now I can, now I've secured that goal, I can go and start making more balls. Yeah, I think, well, I think there's two parts to it. Like thinking outside the boxes and like, okay, if I'm working on my backhand technique, but I really feel like I need that social aspect, I could have, my friend, Michelle, who we used to do this, come out and we played forehand wars. And that was my competition. That was my social aspect where I didn't even hit backhands. Without pulling your backhand back. Without pulling it. But yeah, exactly. And so now, granted, it's extra time on the court, but I didn't feel like I was pushing anything backwards in my technical like improvement. And so I think you kind of have to think outside the box. It's not just match play that gives you that social competitive aspect. But I also feel like there's part of me that says, okay, and I, I don't think anyone knows this like data, but if maybe Ian does, I don't know, we'll find out. Um, if uh, the technically, like if you just work on technique, right, and for say six months or whatever, and then you work on the strategy side, right, I wonder how much slower, truthfully, is it if you kind of do where you work on technique and then you work on strategy and then you work on technique and then you work on strategy? Like what the, like I said, I'm sure you don't know any data, but what the path, is it actually slower? Is it, is it depend upon the person? Because I think sometimes. Slower than what? Slower than like, which one is slower and actually achieving a higher goal? Where if you just, I guess that's the, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying like, okay, so if their goals were the same, which one do you think would be? If your goal was the same, like I'm a 3-0 and I want to be a 4-0 and I can either work on technique for six months and then work on strategy for six months or I can work on technique for two months, work on strategy for two months, work on technique for two months. Mm. Like which one would actually get you to that goal faster? I think that's... I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's a really good question. I I think it depends on the skill set and like the, the athletic and cognitive and like emotional makeup of, of the player. I think it could be either one. It depends on how quickly they, they learn physical thing, kinesthetic, you know, new, new uh, habits biomechanically, how 
quickly they can process. What's been fascinating to me about remote, like coaching with people on tactics is that I've found that it's just like changing like a grip on a serve. Like if somebody's used to hitting their backhand down the line in a particular like uh, point scenario, they're going to keep doing it unless they're really focused on, no, I need to train this other like pattern. Hmm. Um, and I think some people have a little bit of a more of a skill set in one direction or or another. So I think it depends on the on the skill set of the. We should get two people individual. to have Clones. the same yeah. 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 the yeah. exact yeah. same we, people. Do we have two twins that have the same DNA, same makeup? Yeah, yeah. but I think it's interesting. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would because, be a really interesting yeah. uh, um, data or case study or scientific uh right. what do they call it trial or yeah no i i mean it's yeah i agree with you in the sense that personality makes a huge difference and there's so many variables about what what's what can go what can happen that working technique and this and that it, there's just a lot of different combinations for different people like i've we've had students where <laughs> where we've worked on a certain technique for like years and they were just whiffing balls and then one day they made contact. Poor kid. It was this little boy and he literally came to drills twice a week for probably close to two years and he never made contact with the ball. We try so... I would stand in front of him and be like, okay, you can do this. You can do this. And I mean, other than us like making contact with the ball, with our hand on the... The poor kid just could not... And then but finally he did it one day and it was like the greatest skill set ever. And then we we've had kids that literally so come out and it's like you show them one thing and they're like, whoa, you, you, you know you just did that. And they're like, what? You're What's like, next? Yeah. yeah. Like, and you're just like, okay, let's try this and let's try this. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a tough thing to say. Um, but I do think, I mean, beyond technical, I mean, strategic change um, Strategic change is awesome for so many players because it's a, a, a mindset change. I think sometimes can be a little bit easier than a, a habit, um, at least that I think. But it could be like strategic change for some people. I feel like is just as hard as changing technique sometimes. Yeah, like, it just depends. Mentally, I, think, I would say on just average, I think the physical habits a little tougher, but it can be. It can be as hard. Like some people just. Really like me, love to hit the backhand online, even though I know I'm gonna yeah. miss it 90% of the time. No, I feel like, like, it's, no joking aside, like, it's hard sometimes to, and you have to come at it with the same idea of training. And I think a lot of people think, well, I'll just do something different yeah. in match play. And then it falls back into what you normally do. Hmm. That's where resources like the singles matrix, I think, are, mm-hmm. are super powerful because it's like a, a framework that you can each changeover go back to and say, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be doing... It's so easy as a tennis player to, like, 30 seconds later, completely forget what it was that your plan was and just go right back to whatever bullcrap, like, favorite, like, thing you like to try that hardly ever works, but when it works, it's like, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So being uh, structured and disciplined about sticking with with a pattern, yeah, I think it's really hard for a lot of people. And a lot of... people go into tennis because they have that, uh, that kind of independence, you know, and problem solving and they want to just kind of do what's fun sometimes. Right. Yeah. You're like break the mold. Like, yeah. 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 Sometimes being strategically high percentage is boring. Oh, totally. It's just as boring as <laughs> working on your technique for six months straight. Like that's uh, uh, getting on the treadmill at the gym. Elliptical every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel like we've, we've done a, a good job covering this. Any other, any kind of final thoughts for Susan? Keep grinding, Susan. Keep grinding. We're here to help. I think one thing is clear. There's, there's so many. It's not. There's no simple answer to this. You have to know the player. You have to know the coach they're working with. You have to know their goals. What Social their, dynamic. Yes. Yeah, totally. Social dynamic. How deep their habits are right now. Mental toughness. There's so many different things at play. You can't just make a simple uh, choice and be like, oh, do it this way and just magically improve. So this is something that this is a conversation that I feel like everybody needs to listen to listen to who's going to pay for a tennis lesson. And like after you listen to us talk for whatever it has been an hour, I'm sure, um, then 
like sit down and actually think about your goals. Like right now, sit down and think about goals, girl. where you want to be. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> because without that knowledge for yourself, it's really hard to dictate what you should be actually practicing and what you should be even having conversations like should entail with your coach and your friends and your peers and, and everyone else on the court, as well as conversations with yourself, <laughs> um, like it, without having any sense of immediate goals and, you know, next year goals, at least you won't have any idea of where to take the next steps. Yeah, no, I agree. I, know I think know, knowing your person that first, yeah, be aware of your personality. Um, as you're making these goals, because I think they're, you can easily make goals for something and not take your personality into account. And you make goals that you're probably not going to succeed at because you're just not being honest with yourself about your personality. You know, um, if you're not the person who's ever been like, hey, I'm going to go just jump on a treadmill every day for the next, then you're probably not going to suddenly want to probably train, I'm just assuming, train technique four days a week because you just, that may not be your, your makeup. <laughs> Make his eyes got a little bit bigger there. And so I think it's, it's taking a, that look at your personality and going, okay, realistically, what have I done in the past? Like with training or whatnot, and what can I do uh, that fits in that kind of mold to pursue my goal, whatever that may be socially or technically or a blend of both. And then, then start like what Megan's saying is write those goals down and then uh, pursue those things. But I think if you have a mismatch between your personality and what you're trying to do, it's just going to blow up or you're going to, you're not going to enjoy the process because you're like, Oh, it's just fine. Oh, I got to go work on this technique. I want to get back. I got to work on this technique. And so that's Megan's brain. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> oh, I got to go get the ball machine again, this stupid technique. And then it's not going to be enjoyable and you're not, you're not going to succeed because you're just like, oh, technique. I just want to go hit a forehand winner down the line. Yet. Hit a forehand winner down the line. <laughs> stupid technique. So I think that's what's uh, really critical. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening today. As always, hopefully this was insightful, entertaining, gives you some perspective to, uh, to move forwards and, and think about your game in the right way and think about improvement in the right way or a better way. I mean, not necessarily the right way. You gotta be careful with the whole right, wrong, you know, yeah. statements these days, <laughs> but in general. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for joining us. If you have a topic, this, um, today's topic just came from one of our online students. If you have, uh, if you're stuck in your game or you're frustrated and you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, just send us an email to support at essentialtennis.com and we'll talk about it. So Thanks. until next time, keep working hard on your game. We're proud of all of you guys and we'll talk to you next time. Go play some tennis. Have a nice day.